This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. It's Spooko, the podcast <laughs> that Jag and I co-host, right? Um, and it's sort of about exploring the fact I don't like horror movies, Shag's into it. We're sort of, you know, pushing and pulling and prodding and poking around this sort of subject matter. We've done a couple of episodes now, uh, so we've got some thoughts about it. And one of my regular thoughts sort of ties into, you know, what we might call guilt or shame or imposter syndrome, that Shag does all the work for this podcast. And it might be nice if I actually did a little bit of work as well. And so the occasional uh, work I do is I'm like, hmm, we're recording a Spooko in 15 minutes. I might just Google some random <laughs> shit. <laughs> Can I ask, where, like, do you, does, does inspiration hit you? Like, how do you get that kernel of an idea that thinks, what am I going to Google for this episode? Oh, it's no, it's much more linked to feeling bad for you doing all the hard work. Like I sort of have this I sort of have this image of like, oh god, I'm gonna send Shag another audio file that he's gonna spend ages editing. Um, how can I like lighten the load somehow to to uh, contribute to how this thing goes out? And so I think, oh well, what I can at least provide is a little bit of some stuff to talk about at the opening of an episode. What do they call it? They call it flavor. What's flavor. The, what's, the, what's the industry term? You're just adding a bit of like I don't know. There's- I call it fairy dust. Like in the legal profession, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good, dirt, but just Pete will come in to sprinkle a bit of fairy dust. <laughs> and, That's uh, so true. That is true. That is true. I think mm. you you have your imposter syndrome, but really, mm. you're the one adding the fairy dust to this pod. Without your fairy dust, it would just be. Another two dudes speaking on a pod. It'd just be fifty cent without Yayo. Like <laughs> yeah. Yayo wouldn't be there. <laughs> you don't need need Yayo, but he does add. <laughs> yeah, that's add very dust. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, and so, Shag, what I've stumbled upon is an academic journal mm-hmm. uh, article, or like a nice summary of an academic journal finding. And the outcome of this academic journal review is the same as every single academic journal article you've ever read, which is like hmm, interesting question. Maybe someone should do some research, some more research into it. Uh, the end. And it's like, cool. Um, that's the outcome here as well. Um, and this is a sort of, I've looked at the summarized is version. That, is that true? Is a lot of academic research like. Oh, so much. It's like, mm, pretty interesting stuff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hope, really... I hope more people look into <laughs> yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so much like that. I'm like, oh, we've noticed something that could be something. So, mm. <laughs> I wonder if it turns out to be something. Anyway, <laughs> I hope that's, you enjoyed our that's article. That's my three years done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's all academia. Like, oh, we did a study of, I don't know, whatever the fucking Stanford prison experiment, and it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> so we've got Dr. Matthias Klassen, mm-hmm. and Dr. Matthias Klassen is one of the leaders of the Recreational Fear Lab, who sort of studies recreational fear so what we might think of as the way we harmonize the feeling or the emotion of fear 
into our sort of day-to-day lives. We think about our adrenaline junkies, our horror film watches, that sort of thing. You know what? I love that. And I love, mm. as a subtitle to explain what Feel Bad Club is, it's mm. a recreational fear club. That's what Great. it is. Recreational fear club. Yeah. Uh, that's too descriptive to be to have intellectual property rights attached to it. So, so I feel, feel bad clubs a lot that. better. Yeah, cool. All right, gotcha. No, 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 no. Sorry, it means so the recreational feel bad lab or whatever can't come sue us. So fucking come find us. <laughs> come to my house, Dr. Matthias. We'll sort it out there. That's fine. Um, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of your legal disputes happen by people coming to your house to fight you. Well, a lot of them don't happen because they don't show up, Shag, and that's that's more to the point, right? <laughs> Can't fucking did, did, find did, me. You know, did uh, Mikhail Haneke from um, from Funny Games? Did he ever show up at your house? Mm, hasn't shown up yet. So fucking, I haven't moved. I'm still here. <laughs> Come find me. <laughs> sorry, please. Sorry, you can't. Just no, be no, us no, laughing. No. Go. Tell us about this study. So, Dr. Matthias has, has, look, this is a really useful article. It's published on Psychology Today on 3rd of January 2023. It's worth a Google. The title's just Why Some People Don't Like Horror Movies. And it's essentially just a very approachable summary of some of the preliminary findings that have been made by the Recreational Fear Lab. And the one superficial response, I'm sorry to actually say serious stuff now. All the joking stuff's done, Chag. I'm just going to say some reasonably <laughs> serious stuff that I thought was interesting. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Dr. Matthias like, sort of draws a distinction between a sort of superficial level and a more profound level of why some people don't like horror films. And he has a nice, the way that touchy-feely articles are able to do, but that academic journal articles rarely can. Um, he has a nice anecdote from his own life of watching someone knit on a train and seeing that from his perspective, this person wasn't necessarily content on the outcome. I need to make this jumper so that I can be warm. I need to make this stuff so I can give it as a gift, but was immersed in the process. I just want to be knitting. Knitting is what I want to be doing, so that's what I'm doing. And so he he relates his experience of saying, I don't give a fuck about knitting. I don't get it. Like, that's just an experience that makes no sense to me. Um, and so he he sort of said this is what opened his eyes to one of the um, superficial reasons that people don't like horror films. And it's something he refers to, and it's this phrase I find really useful that he doesn't coin and, and he cites um, where it comes from in his article. But um, he calls it genre prejudice, which I find conceptually a really useful way of thinking about why some people don't like horror films and why why I may not like horror films. It goes, yeah, yeah, I know what horror films are. I know what that's about. And it's not for me. I'm going to be prejudiced against this genre, this genre prejudice point. And he sort of says, look, as with most prejudices, it's a fucking prejudice. And so there are going to be people who are prejudiced, like whatever, fuck off. Like if if you're not about, he doesn't say fuck off in the academic article, nor in the psychology today summary. But um, he essentially says, look, there are prejudiced people and that's some reason. But the, the more profound outcome that he reckons would be interesting for someone else to go do some study on is what he loosely refers to as the sweet spot of fear. And essentially, um, he sort of puts out this graph, and I've thrown it up on our Instagram stories, and at the time you're listening to this, that will have been four weeks ago, so that's a very little help. <laughs> but essentially, we've got a graph with an X and Y axis. Our X axis is enjoyment. Our Y axis is fear, right? And so the graph curves up like an inverted U. So as our fear increases, our enjoyment increases, up to a point, and if our fear increases past that point, our enjoyment goes down. Does that make sense, Shag? On a on yeah. A, on a, now, is that graph? I mean, is that graph going to be the same for everyone, or is it going to be unique to who you are? 
Exactly his point. And Shag, you've sort of jumped in and 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 thought precisely what the findings of the recreational feel bad fucking club or whatever it's called came to. Of look, everyone's going to be bringing not only their natural um, thoughts, feelings, and you know the way they're hardwired, their nature. They'll also be bringing their nurture. How many horror movies have they had? How fatigued are they? What level of anxiety are they at coming into the experience? And so, why do people not like horror films? The the very short sort of hypothesis is well. One reason is genre prejudice. Uh, the other reason is sort of not correctly calibrating the sweet spot of fear. And so some people might like true crime podcasts and that and that 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 might be it to get them to the sweet spot. Some people might like scary roller coasters, um, but nothing, you know, aside from that in the in the horror genre. And I just thought it would be a good thing for me to bring to your attention there. And I think it'd be interesting for someone else to do some more study into that area. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because mm. and, and even they acknowledge that mm. horror films aren't just it's it's not a it's not a singular genre like true crime mm. or like uh roller coasters which is a genre mm. of experience i guess because yes even though they have they have different pieces they're all relatively the same thing whereas yeah. horror more often than not has more to communicate to someone than just fear yes and today's film is very much that it's one of those films where I, I don't know if I was real. There was oh, there was maybe like a couple of like vaguely like scary moments in this film. Oh, is it Thirteen Ghosts? No, 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 no. It's not Thirteen Ghosts. Okay. We're, we're, oof, oof. I will say for the next couple of weeks oof. we're in our friendship homework era, which means mm. we've invited Feelback Club to tell us what are the films they'd like yes. to see us cover before we hit episode two hundred. And what I think is interesting about this podcast uh, is that when we started, I had this mission of the fact that, you know, I'm going to use exposure therapy to get you through your fear of horror films. I know that a Mm. lot of scaredy cats like you use Wikipedia as a way Mm. to sort of, I guess, um, microdose horror. So I thought that would be the way to do it. Initially, I- Turns out, nah. But yeah, that's cool. That's what we found. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, no, basically. (laughs) But initially, I thought the audience would be peaches. But we actually have a lot of shags as well, to the point where I've had a couple of uh, films suggested, which I'm going to go over in the next couple of weeks, Mm. that I'd never even heard of. And people were like, hey, this is actually really cool. Or this is a really interesting cult film. I'd love to hear your, or usually I'd love to hear Peach's take on this. (laughs) So, because you are, you're the fairy dust, right? Like, they want to hear that, Uh, you know, what's what's the fairy dust? Yeah. on the 50 cent album. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so today's film didn't really scare me. It definitely f- left me feeling really, mm. like, murky. On the mm. one hand, I think in a really, like, interesting, thoughtful way that I think is probably mm. good for the world. In another way, probably less so. And, <laughs> and, and you'll see when we get to the end of this film. So today, yeah, Peach, nice. we are doing a film and it has a great horror movie title, like... There's no way you don't want to know what happens in this film. Today, we're doing a 2006 American slasher film called All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Perfect name. Could also be called The Invitation. (laughs) It actually could be. Fuck, this film could be called The Invitation, open parentheses, 2006, close parentheses. Eagles, Eagles, brand number one. Let's go have some fun. There she is, boys. Mandy Lane. Untouched, pure. Since the dawn of junior year, men have tried to possess her, and to date, all have failed. Chloe, is she in? I'm working on it. You're coming this weekend, right? Right. She's coming to my ranch, dude. 
fucking disgusting from like a male gaze perspective and my expectation is that this thing could not be made today and should not have been made in 2006 uh yeah well look let's let's get into this right so uh, i do like riffing on a final girl like i'm sort of into horror enough where i'm like yeah okay we've got our final girl who is sort of held out as someone who is very attractive but sort of is not sexually active and so how are we going to riff on the final girl that's Interesting in a broad sense. It does feel very 2006, so Shag, I'm sort of on alert for this to be shit. I'm just, it's tickled a couple of, mm, don't know. So a couple of interesting things about this film. So Mm. when uh, it was suggested, I was like, never heard of it, but I fucking love the title, so I need to look Mm. into it. It's probably a reason why I hadn't heard of it, because it was initially completed in 2006, Went on to debut at a couple of film festivals because that's what horror films do, especially like indie horror films that aren't big franchises. But it's like, I I think it's, what is it? Distributor? I don't know. It's one of the company that owned it basically went bust. And so it wasn't released in America until I think 2013. And And then it was released on streaming. And by then it had sort of, you know, passed any point of anybody being interested in it. So it did, it it did get released outside of the States, but its main market was the States. It, It didn't get released there when it was, when it was made. And so it sort of missed that window. That's, that's really interesting as a path. Like I deal with sort of bankruptcies of personal estates and liquidations of, you know, the corpus of corporate entities as well. And, yeah, that'd be weird to liquidate something like, oh, by the way, we own the rights to distribute this film. What the fuck do you want to do yeah. about it? And it's like, no, I guess we'll probably try to find some people. It would have been cool the if they, they had, like, a fucking, you know, like, fire sale. And it's fire like, anybody sale. want to buy the rights to this film? You can just, you yeah, can go, just go. once, go and twice. <laughs> and then we buy it. And then what do we do? Do we put it up on our Insta? We're like, hey, <laughs> check out this film we just bought. If we get verified on Twitter, apparently, you can upload, like, videos up to eight hours in length now. I'm like, yeah, let's chuck it up as a tweet. You're right. It's like eight bucks a month. Let's just pay eight bucks a month and we'll just put it up on Twitter. Done. That's, yeah, nice. That is actually really funny. I don't know what I would do with a film if I bought it. But Okay, all right. So, 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 so. Uh, A few interesting things that have led to this being cult-like. Number one, it has a ridiculously small budget. It was 750 grand was the entire budget for this thing. It it shows there's there's moments of special even the practical effects like even and it, it's a gory film and there's yes. like there's both practical effects and cgi and in both cases it's obvious they just had to cut corners like lots of like the knife clearly not touching someone's skin but then blood packets exploding 
And you're just like, oh, okay, yep, yep. It's so funny, those cost-cutting things. We recently saw an animated film animated with one of those French studios Mm. and all the characters speaking were always shot from behind or over the shoulder so you wouldn't have to change the way the mouth moved. So whenever Shag's talking, the camera's over the shoulder looking at me listening and being like, mm, yeah, good stuff. And then when I'm talking, yeah, it's over my shoulder looking at Shag being like, Peach, you're talking sense over here. I mean no shade to France, mm. but, like, why can't it, like, make anything good other than places and food? Like, it's just... Like, like, uh, uh, there are there's cheese, uh, cheese is a food. Wine, che- no, I guess, no, no, is the, sort of a the, food the f- sub. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, musically, yes. Like they they've had some hits, but for you know, for 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 a country that feels like it should have such a a much larger cultural impact, it doesn't really seem to. Yes, there are like some French films, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it has an overstated presence in culture, and I don't understand why. Fashion. Fashion, yes. Okay. Would fashion be a good example? Fashion, maybe? absolutely, absolutely, yes. All right. So, fashion and food, but then when yeah, it comes nice. to when it comes to popular culture, like art, it feels like it feels like an under. I'm sure somebody's going to prove me wrong, but it just feels like that. But anyway, I I do feel bad every time there's like a new big animated film and it's not from like America, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. this is going to be. And it's like, <laughs> hey, it's a retelling of the Odyssey, and you're like, oh, sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like this was like the Odyssey again, but with like little little mice. So like we're just as good as humans. And it's like I, I don't know. Do you know this. there's been like twenty Asterix films, oh. and they all star Gerard Depardieu. Like <laughs> <laughs> he does look just like Obelix. Like, and, and there's like a gently xenophobic undertone to all of Asterix of like. Oh, not these disgusting <laughs> Romans. <laughs> They're not real French people. And it's like, no, I'm not sure these are the values that we really want like, children to be. Oh, yeah. It did make me want to try wild boar, though. That was Oof, a big yeah, part of my childhood nice. was like wild boar seems pretty tasty. Okay. Oof, so yeah, extremely mate. small mm. budget. But yes. And I don't know if it was just like a filter and they were shooting in digital or it was shot on like mm. 16 mil or whatever, but it has a real grindhouse look. And a lot of the critics, even yeah, the people okay. who didn't like the film, were like, it actually looks like a Toby Hooper, a.k.a. the guy that made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. It looks like one of his films. And so it has this dirty, grimy grindhouse look to it that's really appealing. But the other- look, it, it actually, I know we just took shots at France for making nothing. It sounds like the new French extremity movement kind of- yeah. It evokes that for me. Yeah, it has that. It has that vibe. Second yeah. of all, it stars Amber Heard. Are you someone who followed, I followed that trial? Legal talk creators yeah. who are like, here's my comments. At like Jahan Kalanta is a friend and a lovely dude and a huge like Australian legal TikTok influencer. Who like I only followed his TikToks about how incompetent one side's attorneys were. I've forgotten who. I, th- I, I, I well think I, I, I've lawyers. got a feeling it was because Amber lost to Johnny Depp. Yeah, okay. And, I, like, I don't really know. Like, I'm not somebody who's going to put my opinion in this because I didn't follow it. Yeah. My observations were it felt a bit gross the way that everybody sort of jumped on Amber and made her the bad guy. I also yeah. just don't trust Johnny Depp. Like, his, his his whole fashion style is based on an era of rock and roll where every single major artist had a song about how cool 14-year-old girls were. <laughs> and it's like, oh, if that's- God, that's so true. <laughs> Do you know Literally. what I mean? 
Just like even David Bowie, like no one is safe from that era. They all were like <laughs> teenage girls. Yeah, teenage girls are pretty. Like it's just something about just it. Something I don't know. About- it's not. It's not that they're really young. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's something other than that. Oh God! Even I didn't know it was David Bowie. For some reason, I've got David Bowie exalted about. Yeah, okay. Look, I mean, separate the art from the artist. But yeah, David Bowie definitely was not a good guy when it came to young women. Like, well, I get his TikToks of David Bowie in 1993 being like, "White people don't make good art." I'm all about listening to rap, but I'm like, right on, David Bowie. It's like (laughs) the internet's going to be. I'm just going to predict exactly what it is in 20 years, and I'm like, no, David Bowie. This has been edited to like in your favor, but still pretty impressive. You're saying this. Things. But anyway, take all right. take all Jesus. of that take all of that hoopla mm. because this is way before the court case. This is okay. 2006, and this is Amber Heard in her first leading role, and mm. it was going to be the moment that launched her career, and then they couldn't release the film. Okay, so she so plays her career mid-flight. By the time, well, this no, is she's pretty young. Festivals? Like this is very much a teen slasher film. And all the main characters are teenagers. There's one old guy who's like 35, 40 years old. Yeah, yeah, true. But even in 2006, teenagers looked like they were 40. Like, it's really hard to tell. But yes. All right. Okay. So. I keep teasing um, our eldest golden child, who's who's more or less a teenager now, of like, I'm just going to join your school and come in and be the cool new kid in like in year seven and be like, yeah, kids. It's like my biggest threat. I'm like, mm, you can do that. Or I can just join your school as a student. There are heaps of movies about it. It's a really good threat. That is actually a really good threat. I can't wait yeah. to use that on Golden Child. Um, okay. Uh, 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 you know what's also really funny? It's like I, I, we, we get a lot of... Uh, mm people hitting us up on insta just being Mm. like hey you know i'm listening here you know and it's always really nice when people say where they're listening from and Mm. usually it's not from australia so if you want to have a a really easy way of understanding what it's like to live in australia culturally Mm. i found this film on a streaming service called stan we've talked about this before but we've got a streaming service called stan that feels like right, the sort man. of thing that would only happen in Australia. <laughs> so that's where it is. And if you are listening in Australia, yeah, you can find this on Stan. It's it's there right now. Okay, not that that's a plug for... No, we don't have sponsor dollars. It's, yeah, you, you, you can find other stuff on other places on other, as well. You know what's really what funny? Is, you'd like. You know what's yeah. really funny as well? We, we also... Yeah. We, there's another streaming service we have in Australia called Binge. And fuck, this is another tangent, but just let me go on this for... No, for, I'm here. I'm with you. So I was thinking about we've this. We've nearly right? finished the movie. Like, <laughs> we, I'm pretty sure we've nearly finished it's the movie. It's such a long Wikipedia synopsis <laughs> too. But okay, but, but before we get there. So yeah. in, adver- in like traditional advertising, the mm. way a creative idea comes to fruition is that mm. it begins with a brief from the client who gives to the agency a brief of what they need. It's like, here's our business needs. We want to sell more to 18 to 35-year-old. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. The agency will then create a reverse brief to the client to be like, look, we've looked at your brief. We actually think what you need is this. Agree or disagree. The client goes, yep, that looks cool. That then goes to the strategy department who then go, okay, looking at this brief, what are those human insights based on their audience? And what are the Mm. product insights based on what they're trying to sell? And where do Mm. those two things overlap? And they find like an insight. And the way often insights are often described is it's a why, it's not a what. So it's Mm. it's not like, oh, wow, 
pe- you know, people... I use chewing gum because I'm going on a date or something. Well, no, that that's a bit of a why. It's not like... Okay. It's not like, you know, males who host horror podcasts use chewing gum. It would be male who hosts podcasts use chewing gum because they often find themselves out of breath by the end and the chewing gum helps them, whatever. That would be the yeah, insight okay. that that would then lead to the thing, right? But the one thing you don't do in creativity is you make the strategy the idea. The strategy can't be the uh, right. You you use yeah, that strategy. Like the point is binge shows right, on this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's my thing. It's like you know the McRib, for example, from from McDonald's. Like it's a cult burger, but you don't call it cult burger. You call it the Mc, you know like you don't do that. You yeah. don't go hey buy the cult burger. And it's the same thing with binge. It's like people binge this. Thing. You know, it's like they were like, well, I guess that's what we call it then. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it's the same in trademark law, right? Of like you can't protect something descriptive of like uh, everyone needs to be able to say stuff's like made in Sydney, champ. You can't trademark <laughs> Sydney. Uh, yeah, well, there <laughs> or, you go. And so if we start, well, if we call this the horror film averse podcast, <laughs> then that's that's not protectable by trademark law, right? Could we be really cheeky and be like the only horror averse podcast? That oh, exists if we call on it Peach platform. and Shag's horror film averse ah, okay. podcast or the greatest or whatever, something to elevate it beyond that merely descriptive. It's why like all these law firms, and I call them shitty law firms. Shitty law firms, like, I don't have beef with you, but you just your name suck. <laughs> but they're all like justice or like commercial or like acumen or you know all this stuff of like that's all it's all just descriptive of what lawyers do it's like you're just showing you don't understand one of the fundamental laws that affect small business in the actual name of your firm that's on every single piece of content you put out it's just really strange to me all right okay so half an hour into this podcast should we start the wikipedia synopsis I've got a lot going on, Shag. I reckon we just... <laughs> you actually do have a lot going on. We both do, but for that reason, let's launch into this, okay? Yes. Here's a sentence you're going to hate. Can't wait. Okay. The camera tracked on a young woman's body and oh, focused on... Oh, there is like an early yeah. butt shot where I was like, oh, how old is Amber Heard in this? But anyway, so at a... Okay, you're actually going to hate this line. So this is just Wikipedia as well. This is a Wikipedia writer wrote this line. Oh, shag. Yeah, okay. At a Texas high school, Mandy mm. Lane blossoms over the summer, attracting her male classmates. Like, <laughs> so Jamie Loftus is the greatest, I think we can all agree. And one of the reasons she's the greatest is her book, Raw Dog, coming out soon. Go buy it. I, I don't know. I'm desperate for Jamie Loftus to come on this podcast. Oh, she I will never do, hear I about it. Do, that's I would fine. do anything. I think her uh, um, uh, Lolita podcast is one of yeah, the best I've ever Yeah, that's heard. exactly what I was going to raise. Like, she has these great limited edition podcasts. Ack, the Kathy podcast, is amazing. The Bechdel cast is perfect. Um, the Bechdel cast is why we shout out Reshes on this podcast. It's because Jamie shouted out uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade for like the first 40 episodes until I started sending him to her. Reshes, they're still like, Reshes, what the fuck is up? Seriously. We did get a case uh, once, so there's that. Yeah, but that's like 130 episodes ago with great respect, <laughs> but still. Um, Jamie has a podcast. I can call her Jamie because we're best friends. Um, has a limited run, limited series of podcasts on Lolita um, that talks about the American obsession with the, like, just barely legal, like, age. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's this weird cultural thing and Chuck, exactly as you say, like, Beatles songs about just 17 and Chuck Berry being, like, finally she's 16 and, like, these really weird elements of romanticizing and then sexualizing the uh, pubescent female 
um, American person, female, like femme identifying American person, uh, it's just fucking gross. And I'm really disappointed to hear we're doing a movie that follows in that long, gross tradition. So I want, I want to stop you right there. So mm. for the first maybe hour of this 90-minute film, mm. this film does a really good job of showing you how awful it must feel or how scary or how threatening it must mm. feel to be a girl as society begins to start sexualizing you, right? Like, so you, so what you, you go from being someone who people just treat Irrelevant. as a person yeah. to someone just who is now just a sexual object, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very much a, the point, at least of the first 60 minutes of this film. And so mm. it made me feel off and gross, but for the right reason. And I think it does a really good job of that. Like, I think it's a, this is a very clever genre to bring that experience to life. I'm, I'm cautious about that until I know more about the creators and without having seen the film. Like, I'm like, yes, okay, there's a degree of empathy, a degree of trying to be part of the solution. But similar to, was it Danny Boyle who made Men? Whoever, whoever made Men, yeah. like, it's kind of like, hey, I get it. It's like I'm, I'm really cautious about white guys being like, hey, hey, we get it. So I'll, I'll just I'll just leave your comment there, Gooey, and we'll just see we'll see how we feel by the end of this movie. I haven't seen, <laughs> and, and, and also and also towards the end, it's it, like not pure like into a very different direction that mm. uh, again I, I I'm troubled by and is is quite murky. But again, again, we'll get there. Uh, we 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 we're one sentence in. Okay, okay, it's been a good episode, Father. <laughs> so one of her classmates, Dylan invites mm. Mandy to a pool party at his house. She accepts with the provision that her best friend Emmett, who is the typical 2006 nerdy dude who nerdy would probably dude. be in incel in 2023, I think. Oh, no. Who's like, well, I'm just friends with yeah. Mandy. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. But, she's fr- but she's friends with him. So she's like, he has to come along to this party too. The incel is the right to right They're to involuntarily celibate. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Just the, I'm laughing because Peach's face right there is just like I'm so sorry you're not as. In fact, you are lucky you're not as online as most people. The world is a dark and depressing place. I thought I knew a little bit about stuff, the mm. algorithm and, and coffee in a case note and stuff. I, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's keep going. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, hey it's great. <laughs> At the party, Dylan bullies and humiliates Emmett. Until Mandy intervenes. As revenge, Emmett convinces a drunken Dylan to jump from the roof into the pool to be like, hey, like, I know, Mandy, I know, like, she wouldn't be into jocks like you, but maybe if you did something cool, like jump off the roof, she'd be into it. And he's super drunk. And so he agrees. And there's this awesome shot where the camera jumps off the the oh, roof with with the jumper yeah, well we nice. we see we we go from so almost sort of like his perspective right so mm. the the camera jumps off the roof in slow motion hits the water and then the camera slowly moves back to first of all reveal his legs and then blood and we realize he didn't make it like he's hit his head his body slumps into the uh into the water and he's actually smashed his head on the concrete and killed himself sick that's actually pretty cool nine months later not much at school has changed except for the fact that Mandy has now become part of the cool crew and Emmett is absolutely the school pariah. He's blamed for Dylan's death 
and he's also seen as being obsessed over Mandy and Mandy doesn't really talk to him anymore. Yeah, seems fair. All of that seems fair. Their stoner classmate, Red, plans a weekend party at his father's remote ranch. And when you see this this building, it's ba- it's definitely a plantation house. Like, Oh, yeah, I follow. Like, yeah. it's definitely that. And Mandy reluctantly accepts an invitation from Chloe, a popular but insecure cheerleader. Mandy accompanies Red and Chloe, along with several other classmates, including reserve football player Bird and romantic couple Jake and Marlon to Red's ranch. So it's that classic... We've got seven or eight or nine people, yep. They're all teenagers, they're all sexed up, and yep. it's going to be nighttime at a, at a remote cabin. Upon arriving, and there's always an extra person, the extra scary outsider. Uh, hey, I'm just an outsider. Don't uh, worry about uh, me. Upon arriving, they are introduced to Garth, the ranch hand. I like the name Garth. Garth yeah. isn't a terrible name. It's a good name for a ranch hand, actually. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, that's exactly the name I want for someone who's like, I'm Garth. I'll look after the horses and the property. So that night they play Truth or Dare. Um, <sighs> and, and it's like, it's, they're very 2006 questions, a lot of which I won't repeat on the pod because oh, they've so since they're become like questions we probably sexual. shouldn't ask, yeah, okay. uh, oh. you know, people of, of their different experiences. But anyway, one of the questions is one of the girls is like, okay, so who's got the smallest package at the table? And all the girls point to Jake, who gets really offended, and he storms off to a nearby barn. His partner is uh, Marlon. So she's like, hey, don't worry, everyone's joking. And they have it like, uh, then she, I'm just going to read this because it's like, there's no way for me to tactful, like it's a fucking teen slasher movie. It's all gross. So he storms off to a nearby barn where Marlon performs oral sex on him. They have an argument after Ugh. when she's like, are you going to return? This is the- written by fucking idiot young white men. No, like- no, no, no. But it's like the point, like the, the white dudes, are <sighs> like the, the cool kids and especially the dudes are definitely the bad guys. Because she's like, um, are you going to return the favour? And he's like, no, fuck that. No, but this anxiety, this like ableist sort of penis anxiety thing as well is a like, like where oh, the fuck dude, do you like, this is 2006. Point? That discourse yeah, is fuck. decades away. Yeah, okay. Uh, they have another argument, and after Jake walks back to the house, an unseen assailant knocks Marlon out, and, oh, like, oh, this is, like, the first kill is, je- like, you know, it, it's gore shadowing, right? Like, okay. yeah, how nice. bad the first kill will set the scene for whether the film's going to be gory or just kind of jump scary and, you, yep. you know, everything happening off screen. We don't see the killer, but an unseen killer puts the gun basically into her mouth to the point where... He forces her jaw like off. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, like so, levers it off, kind yeah, of. Yeah, basically, just like puts the puts the gun in her, and then just like pushes really hard on it, so her jaw just basically come like. So it's not like a dislocated jaw; it's like a disattached Removed. jaw. Yeah. And so, did we form the view earlier that Emmett would have the strength to do that? We assume that it's either going to be Emmett or Garth, right? Like they haven't really yeah, introduced yeah, okay. to more than who these who it could be. But yeah, we know okay. it's going to be one of these people, right? Yeah. Garth would have the strength to do that, I expect. We're led to understand. Yeah, okay. Back at the house, Jake unsuccessfully attempts to woo Mandy. And I guess the thing is, what's really interesting about this film is basically every time one of these characters, one of the you know the male characters has an interaction with Mandy, they're either trying to woo her or just blanketly, like, like she's, she is a conquest to them only. 
right? Like only. And yeah. they, they are making a very clear point that how fucked this experience would be. Anyway, so so remember Jake who just had sex with his his well with recent, Marlon, you know yeah. with his with his girlfriend Marlon goes back mm. tries to woo Mandy Mandy says no anxious about Marlon Jake then takes Red's shotgun and pickup truck to go search for her he eventually finds her sitting by a remote lake upon closer look he sees that she's missing her jaw and is confronted by Emmett seeking vengeance for the humiliation he has suffered. Oh, oh, okay. So it's Emmett. So it's Emmett. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 quite an early reveal. Emmett okay. shoots Jake in the head and breaks Marlon's neck, killing both. Why? Why? So so sorry. So what's motivating Emmett then to kill these others? Well, remember There's Emmett. Emmett is the crew. prior at school, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there, and this is okay. that's where it gets starts to get like really muddy. Okay. This feels very like trench coat mafiary kind of. Peach, like- exactly. The, yeah. So, so, I, so, what will be revealed later is a lot of people have basically gone. These character, you know, the character at least of Emmett, definitely mirrors. Hang on, give me one second. Mm. It's an academic article. The conclusion is going to be mm, interesting stuff. Uh, where the heck, there's oh yeah, so uh, uh, you, essentially they were like. And there are points in this film that definitely mirror Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, who were responsible for the Columbine massacre, whose whole point was they were going to go kill the cool kids and then kill themselves. And they had all this, like, documentation to prove that that's, that was their plan, right? Mm. And there's something really gross about Emmett essentially being that character that I don't like. I'm fucking I don't- irresponsible, I think, as a filmmaker to be like, hey, guess like guess what exists? This. But also just the cool kids actually being dicks. Do you know what I mean? Uh, sorry, like, yes, like yes, I that's follow. Really, like, you know, that's the, fucking irresponsible. Like, like yeah. absolutely, Emmett is the bad guy in this, but not even giving them, like, it's not fucking succession level complicated characters. Like, these are just, they're just bad teenagers and they kind mm. of all deserve to die, which is kind of fucked. But anyway, okay, so- Emmett drives back to the ranch in Red's truck and sees the rest of the group on the porch. Now, Mm. the group can't see him because obviously it's dark. They're in the middle of nowhere. He's shining his lights. They assume it's Jake. And he... So earlier in the film, when they're making their way to this ranch, they stop Mm. by somewhere and they buy fireworks and then they play on some train tracks and they, you know, light a spliff and they just, they're just like, they're just goofing about, right? Mm. So he fires, she shoots fireworks at them. This is like one of the worst effects I've ever seen. It's kind of like how like a lot of TikTok trends are like, what's a really shitty 20 style editing technique? It's kind of like that. It's almost like (laughs) they had shots of people on the porch and shots of fireworks firing and then just overlaid them in the film. Like, they just put them oh on top of it. That's yeah, what like, it looks oh, like. Oh, <laughs> it looks so bad. But anyway, so they're like, they're like, what the fuck? Bird gives chase because he's like, Jake, what are you doing? He gets there, realizes that it's Emmett. Emmett confronts Bird and attacks him. Eventually, uh, and this is fucked because even though this effect looks terrible, it really yeah. great. This is probably the moment that I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, he pulls out a <laughs> yep. knife and slashes across both of his eyes, and but ba- oh, like blinding okay. Bird. Yeah, okay. And then he catches up with Bird, who's now stumbling around, screaming and blinded, and blood gushing yeah, yeah. from work, his face, work, work. and stabs mm-hmm. him to death. The rest of the group, who are drunk and high, fall asleep at the house along with Garth, who's like, I heard gunshots, what the fuck? 
I'm going to come and basically chaperone because you kids are all obviously up to no good, not realizing that they're being hunted by Emmett. But and not realizing that there are like three missing kids already. Well, they realize, like, in the morning, Garth is going through the house and realizes something's wrong. So he's like, we got to leave. As they open the front door, Emmett shoots and wounds Garth. So Mandy is like, Mandy tends to Garth. Red and Chloe try to run to Chloe's car. It's not in the Wikipedia synopsis, but because the roads were really rough, they parked like a mile away. So they're like, okay, we're just going to run to this car. Emmett shoots Red and chases after Chloe in the car. And there's a really, like, there's a scene that just is like, this is what Columbine would have been like from the killer's perspective in which he's chasing her down in the car we're inside the car. We're hearing him listen to like 2006 pop and him just like almost like a video game being like, yeah, let's get her. Let's get her. Yeah. And she's just running away from this car, terrified through this field. And oh, that to me was probably the most troubling scene that I just didn't feel super comfortable with. But anyway, while Emmett shoots red and chases after Chloe, meanwhile, Mandy has gone to look for just some sort of weapon. Like she's, you know, Mm. Garth's like, you've got to get out of here. She finds a knife. She goes outside. She finds Chloe being chased by Emmett in the car. And we see Mm. her ready the knife. Chloe's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Goes to her. And as soon as she gets close to Mandy, Mandy stabs her right in the chest. Oh, okay. Nice mini twist of I actually love Emmett. Yeah, okay. Revealing that she's in league with Emmett. Well, wait. (sighs) As Chloe bleeds to death, Mandy and Emmett discuss the fact that they had a suicide pack. And Emmett shows her the diary he created where he, like, outlined all the, like, shitty people and why they had to do this. And he's like, the way it's going to happen is I'm going to give you pills. And while you're, like, overdosing, you can shoot me in the heart. And that'll, that'll be how it works. And Mandy's kind of like, I never read this diary and I never had an intention of going through with it. I just knew you were going to do this because you're in love with me. And Emmett's like, what the fuck? We were supposed to die together. And they end up having this like final fight in this this pit where we it was revealed earlier on like it's weird the way everything happens together but Garth at some point in the past had to kill some diseased cattle and he dumped them in this pit and they have this final fight in this pit where Emmett's like I can't believe you betrayed me and Mandy's like you're a fucking idiot for believing me and he's like we were supposed to die together and she beats him to death with a stick and then she's like well I've got to finish high school first and leaves the pit She returns to an injured Garth and he wakes up thinking she's still a victim. They drive away and Garth thanks Mandy for saving his life. A flashback shows the group back at the railroad track while they were goofing off. While the rest, and in fact, it even says while the rest goof off, Mandy balances on the tracks and watches her future victims with a knowing smile. And that's the end of All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Yeah, I think that's a pretty irresponsible film. Like, like I, uh, I think, I think this is publicising and maybe not quite justifying, but sort of giving an underpinning for sort of violence at school to be like, hey, sometimes you know, even our antihero thought it was good to be violent to her bullies and tormentors. I, yeah, I feel very uncomfortable about this one. Um, throw in the male gaze element. Well, well, th- 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 I, I think it's actually quite anti-male gaze, really. 
Like, I think it's quite... I don't, I don't think you can do that. Like, and there's also, like, like, a couple of, like, sexy topless scenes. So, that's not true at all. But- yeah. I, I, if this was created by creators who were sensitive and informed themselves and probably involved women in the creative process, which I'm almost certain they didn't based on the outcome, um, then I suspect the concept could have been an intriguing one of... Like, Shag, there are, there are people who identify as female in your life and my life who tell of that experience of being a, sort of an anonymous 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl into a very visible 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old and how that being a kind of pivot moment in their life of like, oh, fuck, like the way I move through the world in future is going to necessarily be extremely different to the way I move through the world in the past. That, that in and of itself is very interesting and very worthy of, you know, attention in a, like in a work like this. I just feel like this was handled so irresponsibly by fucking idiots who didn't take the time to inform themselves that it's, uh, it's clear why the film studio went bust. You know, what, you know what's really funny? Piece. You know what's really funny? Because sometimes we make assumptions and they're not exactly correct. You know, mm. I made that call in the Funny Games episode about how Barry... Mm by Bill Hader made me feel uncomfortable and maybe it was written by people yeah. who didn't understand kids. But one of our, you know, recent guests, Lee Tran Lam, is yeah. uh, like a listener and she was kind of, and she like totally is, is a member of the Feelback Club. And she was mm. like, actually, Bill Hader's got three kids. And yeah, wow. yes, that scene is fucked, but I don't necessarily come from a place of not understanding, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, interesting. But your point here is 100% correct. I'm looking at all the names in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah, it's nice. directed by a Jonathan. It's written by a Jacob. It's produced yep. by a Chad, a Joe, and a Felipe. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's shot by a Darren. It's edited by a Josh. And the music <sighs> is by a Mark. So Eat a fucking... Well, sorry, I won't <laughs> use the expression that I would have previously <laughs> used before I informed myself, but... I think each shit is is probably clear <laughs> enough. I'm pleased this movie went fucking nowhere. Uh, I hope you're all represented by Amber Heard's lawyers in future. Fuck off and die. Hold on to your dicks, everyone. <laughs> uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?